Tuesday, August 2nd. This is Fantasy Baseball Today. Adam Azer and Al Melchior. Scott White still out on his uh, wonderful vacation out on the West Coast. I think, did he go to the Giants game last night? I don't know if it was last night, but... Uh, yeah, I know he's going to one of the Giants-Diamondbacks games, and the uh, Diamondbacks picked up a nice little win yesterday. The NL West race is heating up, Al. Mm-hmm. And the pennant race heating up, and your fantasy baseball playoffs are coming up. So, let's help you out. Send us an email, dmfantasybaseball at cbs.com. Please put podcast in the subject line. Happy birthday, Tim Wakefield, 45 years old. Yep, I think the uh, oldest active player because you can't really count Jamie Moyer out for the yeah, year. Yeah, probably is, yeah. Um, hero of mine, then, if he's pitching into his mid-40s. I don't know if he's a hero. For me, he is. Okay, he's a hero for you. Uh, one thing we want to mention, Scott White, in your AL-only experts league, he won the bidding for Ubaldo Jimenez. He <laughs> bid $98 of your $100 free agent acquisition budget. Uh, so... That would say if you're in an AL only league or an NL only league, it makes sense to hold on to your money in case a big time player gets traded in July. Yeah, I thought I was safe with my $70 bid. Not even close. <laughs> but I'm in two other AL only leagues. I got them in those. Thank goodness. So is that a bid league or uh, was that just a one was agent? a waiver priority league? So I guess I just lucked out in that one. The other one was a bid. And I know I bid it was less than 70 in that one. I don't remember the exact amount. But. All right. But that's always something to keep in mind if you play in those AL-only and NL-only leagues. So today on the show, of course, we'll do the three-up, three-down. we got to talk about uh, a rookie Astros third baseman, a second-base rookie for Cleveland, a couple of young infielders who uh, had some good days and are playing well, in the case of Jason Kipnis. And first, potential August trades, then later on in the show, most add and most drop. But... The trade deadline is not exactly over. The non-waiver trade deadline is over, and August guys can still be on the move, so I asked Al to compile a list of guys who could move in August. Wandy Rodriguez was atop your list. Yeah, and for a reason, because that's the name that you see come up in just about every report. So if you have to target one player who's likely to be on the move, uh, probably Wandy Rodriguez. And it makes sense. I mean, the Astros are really just a, a shell of what they were before, which was not a contender anyway. So uh, they've, they've got a chip there. Uh, certainly the Yankees, uh, I would think, and the Red Sox would both be interested, some other teams as well. So, yeah, Wandy Rodriguez at the top of that August uh, post-waiver list. The rest of this list, B.J. Upton, Carlos Pena, Levon Hernandez, Aaron Harang. Let's look at those four names first. Sure. Upton, Pena, B.J. Upton, Pena, Hernandez, Harang. Anything no- worth noting? Um, I wouldn't say. I think, you know, it's all pretty speculative. So, um, you know, in terms of if guys are changing leagues or not, I think probably each one of them has a chance to, to swap leagues. So keep some of that uh, free agent budget available for, for those guys. But, um, you know, in, particularly in the case of Upton, I've read things that he, he may stay the whole year. So Okay. And Jamie Carroll, Chad Qualls, Drew Storen, Tyler Clippard. Yeah, and Storen clearly the uh, guy that you most want to target in that group. But, uh, again, you know, I don't think the Nationals are really looking to move him if they're blown away. Uh, you know, I think there's, there's an opportunity there, but uh, all those guys could wind up staying in place. Oh, and we have some Steven Strasburg news that I was taken aback by it when I saw that he might come into the rotation in September. So that's interesting. That'll be in our news and notes Segment three up, three down, three players trending up. Astros third baseman Jimmy Paredes was called up. Triple drove in two in his major league debut. Does he have any value, Jimmy Paredes? 
and out only. Um, you know, as I said before, the Astros have really had a clearance sale there, even though they're not calling it a fire sale. Uh, but Paredes should get some playing time. Has only played up through double A in the minors and decent numbers there. Not a lot of patience. So uh, his upside's pretty limited uh, as, a, as a rookie. What about three up number two, Jason Kipnis? He is homebred in back-to-back games. He had three hits Monday. He's owned in 21% of leagues. Yeah, no good power so far. Not a high batting average yet. A lot of strikeouts, but we're talking about still a very limited number of at-bats for Kipnis. So uh, somebody who has value in, in even standard mixed league formats. What about... Kipnis or Jamal Weeks? Yeah, I think they're pretty close in value. So if you've got Weeks or Weeks is in your league, that gives you a good yardstick to, to measure Kipnis by. I would probably give Weeks a little bit of an edge there if you had to choose between the two, if they're both on waivers, because I think he's actually made the transition so far a little more smoothly than Kipnis has. Um, you know, he's stealing bases. He's uh, hitting for a yeah. high average, which Kipnis is not. So uh, Weeks has pretty much shown that his game has translated up to this point. You like Kipnis better than Mark Ellis? Yeah, I do. I okay. do. Ellis is great at home, but on the road, I still don't really trust him. Dan Ugla, third and three up. We talked about him maybe last week, maybe the week before. You said he's back, yeah. but still worth mentioning because he's got a 23-game hitting streak, and he homered twice yesterday for the Braves. So, yeah, no, he's, he's still back. Uh, you know, this has sort of been – uh, a typical season for him, and pardon the expression, on steroids because he is prone to streaks. No implications there. It's just, you know, just an expression. But, uh, you know, streaky guy who's now really at the extremes of not hitting at all in the first half and now just being absolutely on fire in recent weeks. Keep that in mind next year for Dan Ugla. Three down now. All right. I, I don't like the home run derby anymore. I'm convinced yeah. it's doing something here. Prince Fielder, two home runs since the All Star break. 22 home runs before the All-Star break. His slugging percentage down to 426. On-base percentage, though, hovering around 400, which is amazing uh, for a guy who's in a slump. What do you think about Prince Fielder? Uh, I don't think anything bad here. I'm not not concerned. Also somebody who's prone to some streaks. Uh, not. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot of case examples of uh, guys who come out of the, the home run derby and, you know, they lose their power. I'm still not sure I really buy into it. I think you can probably find just as many uh, anecdotes to, to go the other way. So I'm not, not worried about it. I actually want to see what all the participants have done because Cano won the home run derby. I, I don't know if he's homered much since the break. Bautista hasn't. Yeah. He's been a little banged up. He's been right. slumping too. Um, fielder. Uh, we'd have to go through the list. Yeah. Adrian Gonzalez, I don't know. Is is he off the top of my head? I can't. Uh, I yeah. can't really remember. I don't think these guys are really tearing it up, though. No, I don't think any of them are. And weeks before he got hurt, I'm trying to recall. Uh, yeah, I'm I not think sure. He may have slowed down a little too. All right, I'll give myself that homework assignment. <laughs> okay, we'll look into it. Juan Pierre, three down, number two. He finished July with five steals in seven attempts. Is that good enough? To justify owning Juan Pierre in a mixed league, he's owning 65% of leagues. If that mixed league is a roto format, I say sure, um, because just to see him attempting steals again gives him some value there. That's enough? Seven attempts in a month? Well, you know, if you prorate that out, that's 42 in a year. That's not what we're used to in Pierre, from Pierre in his better years. But, you know, again, if you sort of take the expectation off that it's Juan Pierre and he's supposed to steal 60, 70 bases, that's, that's still value. Okay. But, um, you know, not enough for a head-to-head league, especially since he's really not giving you anything else. Yeah. Okay, Kelly Johnson is third in three down. Kelly Johnson, I know he slumps all the time, but right. this is alarming. Three hits. 
in his last six games with 11 strikeouts, and he had been dealing with a calf injury. So is this more than just a typical Kelly Johnson slump? Not based on the numbers alone, but when you do add in the injury, I think that just adds another layer of risk for him. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he was probably a good guy to sit this week, and uh, it is it is a cause for alarm. Well, I'm putting it in, in this type of perspective. We're getting close to the playoffs. Yeah. For a lot of leagues, it starts maybe week 20. Um, so can you rely on Kelly Johnson, or do you have to think about other options at second base if, he, if you're relying on him? Yeah, I think you do, do have to uh, think about other options if he's your primary guy at second base. Uh, yeah, between the calf injury, the, the, the streakiness is you know something, like I said, maybe – uh, that makes him a little hard to trust down the stretch. But I think with this injury, I'd be looking for a substitute at this point. Yeah, so remember, Jamal Weeks, Jason Kipnis, yeah. guys, we talked about before. How about the rotation? Five pitchers from Monday's games. Jire Jurgens. So he lost. He fell to 12-4. and four. Nothing to complain about there. But yeah. he's slumping. Five innings against Washington um, and five runs, I believe, and 16 earned runs in his last four starts. He's gotten beat up three times, Nationals twice, and the Reds roughed him up. What do you think about Jurgens? You know, I'm I'm not worried, but again, there's sort of a history here this season on this show that earlier on I wasn't that high on Jurgens when he was looking like one of the better pitchers, uh, not just in the National League, actually in all, all of the major leagues. And um, so, you know, I still think he's good. I still think you can use him probably as many weeks, if not more weeks than not. But, uh, yeah, he's fallible. I mean, the Nationals are not a, a really potent lineup, and he's had trouble handling them in these last two starts against them. And uh, I think he's fine in a two-start week like this. He could bounce back. But, yeah, no, he's he's not the elite or even near-elite guy that he appeared to be earlier in the year. <laughs> How do you think I'm doing in my uh... – in my one league where I started, where I started Jurgens and Cahill last night. Yeah, well, uh, in, my, in their two-star week with good matchups, because Cahill's second in the rotation. This guy is crazy too. Another guy. Can you rely on him going into the postseason? Four innings, seven runs against the Mariners on Monday, and this is coming off seven and a third scoreless against the Rays last week, and allowed ten runs in his prior start against the Yankees. Yeah, you know, I sometimes have really powerful. Uh, I was going to say strong powers of denial and, you know, Cahill with these, you know, bad starts against the Yankees, that's allowed me to kind of sustain my disbelief and, and my denial uh, because you looked at the overall numbers like, oh, these are still pretty good. Gets a lot of ground balls, strikeout rates up, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I mean, that's alarming to do this against the Mariners, right? Yeah, uh, the Mariners. Yeah, the Mariners. Uh, and there's just been a little too many few too many starts like this for for Cahill and now the overall stat line actually doesn't even look all that impressive so I've got him in the podcast league and I'm not dropping him but he's riding the bench unless I'm really stuck to find uh, somebody to to plug in on the active roster are you still alive in the podcast league I am I'm actually uh in the in the playoff spot right now uh did you start Cahill this week Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's, look, it's a two-star <laughs> week, and he's got Seattle. Yeah. How are you not going to start him? My my pitching uh, on Monday did not do me any favors. Oh, sorry to hear that. I hope you, I hope <laughs> okay. you can hold off Scott White. Uh, Jake Peavy, though, a guy that you've uh, been a little higher on than, yeah. than some others, he had a nice outing, seven innings, three runs against the Yankees, and I guess the deal with him is that once he reaches 75 pitches, he's supposed to be garbage, but he looked good late yep. in the game. 106 pitches, one walk, four Ks. Yeah, I don't know if those concerns about endurance were 
you know, not really well founded or if this is just him turning a corner or if this is just one of those starts. But this is what I'm talking about with PV. So uh, I, I do think he's going to be able to repeat this kind of performance. John Lackey. Another guy who, who let us down. He yep. allowed five runs in six and two-thirds. Everything kind of fell apart in the sixth inning. He looked good through five, but the Indians roughed him up. 62% ownership. He was started in 43% of leagues. Would you rather have Lackey or Peavy? Oh, I would rather have Peavy. Um, and even going into this week with Lackey coming off of four consecutive good starts, I still liked Peavy better. Um, and... You know, it's it's worked out so far one day into the week. Uh, Lackey, uh, yeah, he gets the, the Yankees next time. So that's going to be an interesting, real interesting test uh, if he can, can bounce back from this. And what do you think about the fifth guy in today's rotation, Mariners starting pitcher Blake Bevan? He is 2-2 two and two with a 3-2-4 ERA. Yeah, um, I think that's a little better than what you can expect from, from Bevan going forward. But um, I know when he first got called up, I likened him to his former teammate, Doug Fister, and now he's so much like Fister, he's taken over his rotation <laughs> spot, and he's put up a stat line so far that's, that's very, if I could use the word, Fister-esque. Fister-esque. So, um, you know, he, he's good, like like Fister, definitely solid in AL-only leagues. Uh, in a two-start league like this, I think you can push him a little bit in, in a slightly shallower format, but not, I think, uh, not many, if any, weeks where you're going to be able to trust him in the standard mixed league. Would you rather have Bevan or Felipe Paulino? I would rather have Paulino. And actually, I know his overall stats don't look great, but the last month and a half, two months, pretty good. And the guy will give you strikeouts. You can count on Paulino to do, do that for you. Bevan, you can't. He's a contact pitcher. I'll, I'll take Paulino. Bevan or Andrew Miller, who's not even going to be starting this week. Right, uh, which doesn't mean, by the way, that he's out of the rotation entirely. The Red Sox have uh, caught six-man mania and will uh, <laughs> uh, be stuck with that condition for uh, at least a couple weeks. But, uh, you know, all things being equal, I would rather have Bevan than Miller. Much better control. Okay, injuries, news, and notes. Clay Buckholtz, he... Is he out for the year? Stress fracture in his back? Not definitely, but it, I'd say probably out for the year. He's on our most drop list. He's number one or number two, so yep. that's justified? I think so, yeah. Okay. Barry Zito on the DL, and Jonathan Sanchez will pitch Friday against the Phillies. Barry Zito done being relevant? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think if, even if they left him in the rotation, uh, he wouldn't be relevant in too many leagues. But we, we could see this coming with Zito. Sanchez is ready, and I think it's interesting because the report on Zito is he's had a recurrence of uh, the foot sprain, and I almost picture somebody like kind of pushing him, you know, down a, down a flight of stairs or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> because, okay. Well, no, because I mean the Giants clearly were looking for some way to yeah to move. Oh, him oh out. I understand. Oh, yeah, right, so it's, right. you know, oh, you know, now you're injured. Well, but, I'm just surprised uh, I didn't go with like anxiety. We could have done that, too. Yeah. I guess the foot sprain was, was a more you know, readily available. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's legitimate. <laughs> but it's, I'm just saying with you know, no, all the speculation. Yeah, yeah. Well, it happens all the time. Uh, Jordan Zimmerman. Let's talk about the Nationals rotation here. So Zimmerman only has four starts left this season. He is still owned in uh, 90, or 84% of leagues, but people are going to start dropping him. Meanwhile, can Steven Strasburg be the answer there in September? Could be. Um, I, you know, I think at this point, uh, it's it's really speculative to pick him up. And I think Zimmerman's still got some value in standard mixed leagues. Um, so I think it's a little early to drop him. I think you need to maneuver and you know get somebody on your bench to be ready to step in for him. But um, you know, so you know that said, 
Zimmerman still got got some value. And then, you know, as far as Strasburg's concerned, yeah, I mean, if you can maybe find a bench spot for him, maybe we'll see him pitch. But it's it's still an open question. And it's him. hard to expect a lot from him. And that, too. Exactly right. Even if he pitches, uh, you can't necessarily expect good performance. So. Was this, like, on the radar? Or did this kind of come out of the blue? No, it was. Uh, I mean... You would think it was not on the radar because it's made sort of a splash in the, in the sports media the last couple of days. But if you go back to, uh, you know, even when uh, Strasburg first had the surgery, they said, you know, could be back next September. And that's a typical time frame for a guy coming back from Tommy John. So not, not totally shocking if he does come back. You know, Jordan Zimmerman is the kind of pitcher that I think if you're in a keeper league and you own Jordan Zimmerman and, and you are in contention, maybe, maybe you can win this thing. I think he's the kind of guy you can sell to a team that's out of the race, get some really good return. Mm-hmm. Maybe sacrifice next year a little bit, but go ahead and try to win this year. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, you know, I think uh, it's worth a shot. All right, I'm trying to inspire people <laughs> out there who are in that particular situation. So here's something that uh, is disappointing to see. Cliff Pennington, he has Bell's palsy, so that could affect his playing time. It could, but it, it actually may not really at all. Um, he had to leave yesterday's game because of it. Yeah, it's something that can go away within a day or two. Okay. So if you've got Pennington, sure, you, you absolutely do need to at least get some reinforcements in place. But it's also not time to panic yet. It may not have uh, more than a minor impact on this playing time. Kyle Davies to the DL. Anybody interesting coming up in the KC rotation? No, because they this has cured them of six-man mania. Oh, okay. So they are going back to the five-man rotation. Dodgers starting pitcher Ruby De La Rosa is on the DL, and he may need Tommy John yeah. and John Eli was called up. Yeah, wow, that's that's too bad because uh, De La Rosa, for the most part, had been a, a pretty pleasant surprise for the Dodgers, and they, um, you know, certainly could use him down the stretch. Uh, not that they're contending for anything, but um, you know, he's one of the brighter spots on the team, and it uh, looks like he's probably out for the year. Now, what's kind of interesting with Eli getting called up is that this looked like a distinct possibility about a week ago when it looked like Kuroda was going to be gone before he refused to um, waive his no trade clause. So. Eli's up with the team now uh, just for an entirely different reason. He had some moments last year, He Eli. did. Yeah, right, keep an eye he, on him. He did. I mean, that said, um, Eli not very good in AAA this year, but got some NL-only value, somebody to watch. So uh, if Ruby De La Rosa has Tommy John, I'll go ahead and say it now, he could be back next September. That's right, and then we won't be surprised. <laughs> won't be surprised. Shinsu Chu, according to Manny Acta, he is ahead of schedule. Do you have an update on Shinsu Chu? Uh, I do. Nothing for people to get too worked up about, though, because even though he's ahead of schedule, there is no really definitive schedule for Chu at this point. So, um, you know, Acta's encouraged, which is nice. But um, the most definitive thing that we can say about Chu is that it looks like he will take batting practice this week, but even that's not definite. And then once he clears that hurdle then there's the issue of scheduling a, a, a roadmap for him for a rehab assignment. So he's not close to coming back, and we don't even really have a definitive time for Chu just yet. So we look around baseball. It was a busy day in the National League. A lot of games, only three games in the AL. So this look around baseball is going to be very uh, NL only, I guess. But uh, Rick Ankeel, he homered twice off Jair Jurgens. And as we look at the most dropless, Roger Bernardina is on there because he's in the minors. Right. But Ankeel, what do you think about him? Yeah, nothing too exciting. Uh, he does have some power. It's good to see that back uh, in evidence. But, 
yeah, I still do not see Ankeel as anything more than an NL-only guy. And I'm not sure I even really trust him to hold the job because Bernadina is still an option for recall. Um, you know, the Nats, you know, they're probably going to look at some some other guys. Uh, I, you know, not even necessarily know who they are, but um, I just I just don't think Ankeel is a solid option there. What do you think about Carlos Zambrano? He has allowed five earned runs combined over his last three starts. Yeah, um, you know, looking good. I mean, as we saw with Lackey, for example, I mean, we can't get too uh, excited about uh, a three or four, maybe even a five-game stretch, um, you know, but maybe he can salvage what's been, I think we can call it a disappointing season. Sure. For a guy whose ERA is under four every year, right now it's Mm -hmm. probably around four, six. Would you rather have him or Lackey? I would rather have Zambrano. Two home runs, three RBIs for Derek Lee in his Pittsburgh debut. Yeah, well, continuing the hot hitting yeah. uh, that we saw when he left Baltimore. I uh, saw something kind of interesting. Uh, there'll be a, a blog entry uh, sometime today, and I did a little analysis of the, the hitters that changed locations. And Lee playing at Camden Yards didn't really get an offensive boost there, which to me That's was weird. very surprising. So you would think going from uh, Baltimore to Pittsburgh that his numbers might take a hit, but uh, he didn't really take advantage of uh, – of his venue playing in Baltimore. So, uh, you know, maybe he can stay the course. Did you stay up for that Marlins Grand Slam in the 10th inning? Uh, I'm ashamed to admit I did not. I gave up after the uh, the nine regular innings. Oh. Missed, uh, I, was, it a mo- was it a monster blast uh, from Stanton? You know what? I haven't seen it, but everybody keeps talking about it. Yeah. Apparently, he, he destroyed this baseball. I just assume, anytime you hear about Mike yeah. Stanton hitting a home run, especially a big one, I just assume. So he also threw out a runner at home plate. You saw that. I did see that. That, that was, was awesome. impressive. Yeah, yeah you, that was the kind of game where you look at Mike Stanton and you start to think about his fantasy value next year and if he is becoming one of the stars of this game. The batting average could be a problem, but I sure. mean, this guy is legit, isn't he? he oh, of course he's legit. Um, he's pretty much lived up to the expectations because I don't think anybody thought that this guy was going to hit more than 250, 260 this right. season. Um, and he, so he's completely lived up to, uh, to the hype so far. Well, Jason Isringhausen allowed that grand slam. I think it's a little bit too early to, to express any concern there, but Houston Street blew a save. And he allowed a home run last night. Five runs in Street's last six outings. Are you concerned about a guy who's started in 83% of leagues? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, a little shaky. Um, then again, I mean, what closer, excuse me, <clears throat> hasn't gone through uh, a stretch like this? Yeah. Um, I wonder if uh, Hanrahan has. Yeah, maybe, maybe not him. But, you know, it also wouldn't surprise me if he does. This is just something that, uh, you know, just happens sometimes. Uh, six outings, just like we know, we talk about three, four starts for a starter, you know, a run of six outings for a reliever, not panic time yet, but, uh, maybe red flag time, you know, a time to, to kind of put a guy on alert and track him over his next couple of appearances. Is Paul Mahalam just going to be one of those guys that you don't know what you're going to get from week to week, seven innings, one run against the Braves last week, but six innings, four runs against the Cubs Monday. Seems like he's been that guy for about three, four years. <laughs> And I did recommend him highly as a two-start guy for Week 18 because he gets two starts at home against not very uh, impressive competition. But he, you know, he himself was not impressive on Monday. Uh, he comes back against the Padres on Saturday. The Padres seem to be spoilers lately, but uh, you know, Mahalam usually pitches pretty well at home. So if if you have him as a two-start guy. Don't uh, give up hope just yet. Back to that Mets-Marlins game. Another good start for Javier Vasquez. 
Uh, he's owned in half our league, seven innings, one earned. He's another guy who could be good or, or bad <laughs> yeah, week he, to week. He's been doing this on a pretty extended basis now. I mean, this has really been about a couple of months for Vasquez where he's he's been very good. So uh, I'm less worried about Vasquez. He's not somebody that I'm really sitting on the fence at this point if he's got two starts. And Gabby Sanchez, it's just worth mentioning, he just destroys the Mets. <laughs> he is so good against Mets. He even stole base yesterday. Um, Chris Carpenter allowed five runs in five innings against Milwaukee. Is he a must-start guy for you? Carpenter is not a must-start guy. Hasn't been since uh, probably about a month and a half into the season when he just wasn't able to get on track. And then he's, he's had a period recently where he's done better but even in most of those starts where the result has been better, uh, still, you know, allowing a lot of line drives. And, uh, yeah, I just – I think he's somebody you can trust with two starts. But one start, even – I don't know. Far from a must start. Let me just stop there. All right, that's Chris Carpenter. So last question for you. Which catches your eye more? Chris Nelson getting some at-bats for the Rockies. Mm-hmm. He was called up last week for Giambi. He's eligible at second and third base. Or – Jamie Carroll, seven-game hitting streak, and he stole two bags on Monday. Yeah, if I had to pick between the two, I would go with Carroll uh, instantly because he's got a long track record of being a good on-base guy. You know you'll get that from him. Nelson, think the jury still needs to be out on him. Did I ask you Kipnis or Carroll? I don't think you did. Well, what's it going to be? I'll take Kipnis. Okay. So then the order would go Weeks, Kipnis, Carroll. And then Nelson. And then Nelson. Uh, Wasn't there one other guy? What about, I don't know, that'd be it. That's, that's that, a lot of options right there. I think, I think we're doing all right, though. Most added, most drop list on CBSSports.com. Number one on the most added list is John Jay. Number two is Jason Bourgeois. They are both up 20% to 38% ownership. Number three is Hideki Matsui. So all three of these guys up right around 20% from last week, owned in just about the same amount of leagues. John Jay, Jason Bourgeois, Hideki Matsui. Rank them, Al. All right. The ranking machine spits out. <laughs> uh, go with Bourgeois first, and I think yeah? it's, it's pretty easy there because he, like Jay, will help you in batting average. But unlike Jay, uh, will steal a lot of bases. Ridiculous number of bases that he has uh, stolen this year given his playing time. So Bourgeois first, then Jay second. I'm going to put Matsui third because he's just if he's not hitting for power, which he's really not this year, he's just not really giving you a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, it's a hot streak right now for Matsui, yeah. but hasn't been like that all year. Only no. nine home runs. Paul Goldschmidt is number six, and he is now owned in 31% of leagues. Thoughts on Mr. Goldschmidt? Well, uh, also a guy who I think should help you with on-base percentage, should get pretty steady playing time. Don't know if the power for him is going to translate uh, from AA to the major leagues. That's that's an iffy proposition if you're counting on that. But you know, right now owned, like you said, in just 31% of leagues. That seems perfectly reasonable and, and actually you know, probably could be 40 50%. I think that would still be pretty reasonable. Derek Lee or Paul Goldschmidt? Mm. I think I'd go Goldschmidt here just because I think we know what we're going to get from D. Lee. And uh, Goldschmidt you know, should give you much better on base percentage. Paul they, Goldschmidt or Mitch Moreland? Oh, Mitch Moreland. Okay. Yeah. Moreland's maybe a little under-owned. He's, I, think, I don't think he's owned in 50% of leagues. Yeah, he is under-owned. I think that number right around be there, about 60. Paul Mahalam. Uh, is added in 12% of leagues. Now he is owned in 56%. Uh, we talked about him, but would you rather have Mahalam or Fister? Week in and week out, I would much rather have uh, Doug Fister. Would you rather have Mahalam or Rich Harden? Mm. 
I think I'd actually rather have Harden just because, you know, Mahalam's upside is so limited. He's maybe a little, uh, I don't want to say predictable because we just got done saying he's yeah. a little inconsistent. But, I mean, the extremes for Harden are so extreme. Uh, but I think I'd rather take the risk that he's going to go off on a, on a good run. So then let's look at the most drop list, five players on the most drop list. Number one, Carlos Carrasco. He's down to 38% ownership. First of all, he's got a six-game suspension for the time being. Right. And now he has appealed that he should start Wednesday. So if you've got him, you know, if you're looking at him in a daily league, he's not uh, unavailable as of right now. Is he worth dropping, though? In a standard mixed league, I think so, because I think all along, even during the extended hot streak he had, he still looked like a guy who you couldn't trust every week. So I think it's it's fair enough to drop him, and you can probably find an equivalent option on waivers if, if Carrasco's still not there. Uh, you had your nice little Carlos Carrasco run. Nothing wrong with him, but no. you know, there's a lot of guys out there who are similar. Roger Bernadine is number three on the most drop list, and we did discuss him, but you don't think he's necessarily down in the minors to stay? Not necessarily. Maybe. I really have a hard time reading the the Nats take on this guy uh, because it seems like they just really aren't willing to give him an extended shot. Uh, I think if he's given a, a longer opportunity, I think he could do pretty well, certainly better than he's done this year. Um, so I don't know. I think we could see him back again if, for no other reason that, like I said, I don't think Ann Keel is uh, necessarily up to being an everyday outfielder. Number four on the most drop list is Travis Snyder. So I was wondering about this. Down 12% to 46% ownership. Yeah, um, you know, another guy who's who's sort of hard to read, always lots of, of potential there for Snyder, but he's not really delivered on it in, in, in an extended way. So. He's still getting the at-bats after the Rasmus trade. Yeah. That's not the problem, right? I no. Mean, it's just that he's not performing. Yeah. Um, right. So, I don't know. I, I'm not sure why, why he's being dropped because uh, I'm not sure there's other people in, you know, say, deeper mixed leagues that, that could give you the same kind of potential anyway. Number five is Jason Vargas. He's down 10%, 43% ownership, and he's just getting crushed lately, Al. Yeah, he is. Um, you know, and I've talked about him as a guy that you can start in certain venues to yep. start weeks and so forth. Uh, but lately, yeah, it just hasn't really mattered. That said, I mean, it's not that long of a stretch where he's been unreliable. So I haven't really given up on Vargas yet. And actually, I think he, despite his recent lack of success, I think he could be okay this week. So... I think people may be giving up on him a little too early. And number 19, we go all the way down to number 19 on the most drop list. It's Mike Trout down in the minors. Mm-hmm. Do you think he'll come back? I think very likely he could if in September, if nothing yeah. else. But won't be fantasy relevant. Odds are he won't be, no. Okay, so he's more of a keeper league guy. Your quick pitch now, Al. One player in each league to keep an eye on. All and right. Number one, Bruce Chen in the AL, owned in 17% of leagues. Yeah. How about uh, 10 earned runs in his last start? Nice work, Chen. Yeah. Well, and, and so that's you know one of the reasons why I picked him out because uh, he's always been a guy probably viewed as suspect by most owners, and that last start is definitely not going to help. Yeah. But always very streaky, inconsistent, and, and like we talked about Jason Vargas before, somebody who – relies on his home park to to really make him relevant at all. But he does get a start tonight being Tuesday night against the Orioles at home. And I think he could be primed for a surprisingly good bounce back start tonight. So if you're looking in a daily league, a deeper daily league, uh, and you're really, you know, not seeing options you like out there, Chen could be a a pleasant surprise for you. And in the NL, it's James Loney who is owned in 33% of leagues. Yeah. And, um, 
even though I was, you know, only sort of mildly positive about Chen, I really don't have much positive to say <laughs> about Loney at all. But th- this is more of a follow-up quick pitch because I know we talked about Chen or not Chen, sorry, Loney. Loney. Uh, I think roughly a month ago when he had started to turn things around and thought, okay, don't give up on Loney yet, still young enough, showing some signs of life. Well, you know, he's flatlined uh, the past month, batting 176 with no home runs for the entire month of July. Ooh, brutal, and it gets worse. Um, and here's a stat I don't think I've, I've talked about in this, this show, but weighted uh, on base average, WOBA, um, which is sort of a similar measure. Uh, or should, it correlates really well with fantasy points. And his WOBA, among all qualifying major league first basemen, the lowest Whoa. year to date. <laughs> think about this for a second. Think about guys, okay, Aubrey Huff, Lyle Overbay, Justin Smoke, guys that we've all, you know, talk some trash about on this show all have higher rates than Loney year to date. Jeez. That's how bad he's been. Wow. So if you're holding out hope, if you're rostering him, yeah, him I mean, active, 33% of leagues. Yeah. That's, that's for the worst first baseman in the world. Yeah. Pretty much, pretty much. So <laughs> look need, for other options needs to be dropped. So, uh, Oh, so I mean, Paul Goldschmidt would be a great replacement for him. Oh yeah. Excellent. So let's go to the emails here. DM Fantasy Baseball at CBS.com. From Gary, AL only help needed, gents. Needs being equal, please rate these three new AL players for this year in a non-keeper league. Ubaldo Jimenez, Colby Rasmus, Brandon Allen. Yep, there's your order yeah, right there. I thought. But, you know, it's, it's closer than you might think between Jimenez and Rasmus. Now, Allen, probably not even going to start. So, um, you know, I think you can, you can just... Uh, definitely you know discard him at least in this comparison but uh Rasmus you know real interesting I've noticed this before um with a much lesser player actually Jason Nix the the Blue Jays went and sought him out guy who hits a lot of fly balls and you know we've talked before about how the Blue Jays have this hitting philosophy they like guys who swing for the fences and they encourage it and they they even coach it and in Rasmus you get a guy who was really sort of wasted in St. Louis not only because Tony Larusa played games with him with, you know, benching him and, and um, you know, having him on the trade block. And that's not La Russa necessarily, but um, – and that he's playing in a, in a ballpark, was playing in a ballpark in St. Louis. That's not really great for home run hitters. You know, if you're Albert Pujols or Matt Holiday, obviously that's one thing. But, you know, Rasmus really suffered in that park. He goes to a great home run park in Toronto in a team that's going to encourage him to swing for the fences. So I think he could see a big uptick in value more than probably – any player who was traded at the deadline. Yeah. Okay. So here's Joe from Montreal, his first email question. He does like the show, but he's got a beef with us, Al. Uh-oh. Why no love for Adam Jones? I've listened to you all year, and you guys have spent no time praising this guy. In fact, you usually dismiss him quickly when his name comes up. He ranks number 15 amongst outfielders in my head-to-head points league. He has even more value in category leagues, given stolen bases, home runs, and batting average. He had an average draft position somewhere in the 11th or 12th round in a 12-team league. So the guy is delivering great draft value. What gives? Are you just reluctant to admit you were wrong about him in the preseason? Adam Jones. Yeah, that's probably it. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know what? I I remember talking about him, Yeah. uh, I don't know, month month and a half ago, uh, mostly with Scott. And he was on pace for career highs. But barely on pace for career highs. But he was having a nice, solid year. And then he's kind of erupted. He's been really good lately. Uh, So we do owe him a little bit more love. Yeah, I agree. And and, uh, I will admit uh, that I was 
that I was wrong uh, about Jones uh, in the in the preseason. Young guy, um, you know, far too early to to just close the book on him. And I I think you know. Joe is right that we probably haven't given him his due because he falls into, you know, sort of what I think of as the Hunter Pence trap, that he's really good in a lot of different categories, but not great in any of them. Yeah. And so he probably doesn't doesn't get his due. So Jeff from Little Rock writes in, and he gives the details of a trade he just made. Auction Keeper League. He offered the last place team, Kobe Rasmus and Jordan Zimmerman, for Troy Tulowitzki and Hiroki Kuroda. So he gave up Rasmus and Jordan Zimmerman. Oh, that. This is that example of a guy giving up Jordan Zimmerman in a keeper league to get some short-term value. Mm-hmm. He got Tulo and Kuroda. Obviously, on paper, that's very unbalanced. But right. but Tulowitzki costs sixty dollars, and Rasmus keeps five dollars. Or Rasmus keeper value is five dollars. Zimmerman's is six dollars. Um, so basically, he took on salary. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and gave up some good young prospects, sort of, in Rasmus and Jordan Zimmerman. Uh, now, the rest of the league was very angry about this. So he wants to know, what's your take on keeper league uh, in, in keeper leagues, an owner who's no longer in contention trading with contenders? Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, and I've been in, in situations like this, and, you know, it's it's hard to say if this particular trade is something that maybe, you know, was veto vetoable or at least something that owners are legitimately upset about. Like you say, value wise, um, it's, it's so unbalanced, but, um, you know, it's, it's really a question of what that other team is going to do with that $60. I yeah. mean, you, you can't discount. And the, he has his Drupal Cabrera, the guy who's giving up to Lewitsky mm-hmm. to get Rasmus and Jordan Zimmerman. He has his Drupal Cabrera for $2 for $2. So without having any other information about, you know, the budget and the rosters, you know, I can't just assume that this is a, a rip-off deal. Um, Looks good to me. Yeah, I mean, there, there definitely is a logic behind this here. And again, you know, the, the budget part, the money part does matter. Uh, you can't just look at the players involved. Yeah, and, and I think in general, we talked about this last week, I believe. If you're in a keeper league and guys get mad about you making a deal with a non-contender to get better now, well, they should have made the deal before you with the yes. non-contender. And it's okay if you, if you aren't going to win this year. It's okay to try to build for next year in a keeper league. Uh, here we go, uh, Dave. I'm thinking of trading. I'm thinking of trading Cueto for Jimenez. Head-to-head league with wins, ERA, strikeouts per nine, WHIP, and saves. What do you think? Giving up Cueto for Baldo Jimenez? Oh yeah, no, do that. Yeah, do that. Yeah, I mean, you guys I... don't like Cueto. No, no, I like Jimenez. <laughs> yeah, <you> do. <laughs> and we've talked about it before, right? All this concern about velocity, and everything, but the the results since mid-May have been. Jimenez results, you know, the, the same thing as last year. Ryan or Riley Gula from Vancouver, Canada. I think everybody can tell these are my my first run through reading the emails. <laughs> we were a little rushed this morning. Daily twelve team five by five head to head thirty man keeper league. I can keep up to eight players, but it takes up the first eight picks of next year's draft. I'm currently in fifth, five games up on seventh. Six teams make the playoffs. Who should I keep? No restrictions on keepers, except that they take up the first eight draft rounds. Uh, should I try for a playoff push? If so, who should I target? Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't print out the guy's roster. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. this is open-ended. No, uh, I wouldn't even know Riley, where to Riley, you're going to have to email us back and make it a little briefer. Just pick the guys that you know you're going to pick and then come up with like two or three that you're debating because uh, we can't read entire rosters. So, yeah, again, sorry, pressed for time this morning, and uh, I got a little sloppy with the emails. Clark in Austin, last email for today. Al for president. What do you think? Ah, 
Wow, I better get going. How do you solve that budget crisis? Yeah, no, I'm not up for that. (laughs) (laughs) Where do you think Jesus Montero will rank compared to other catchers by next year? Better than Carlos Santana or Buster Posey? How soon do you think he could become a top five catcher, if ever? Yeah, I mean, I like Montero's bat, but I think that's that's a little too speculative for me. Um, Definitely not a sure thing that we're going to talk about him in the same breath as uh, Santana and Posey. So, but let's see. How soon do you think he could become that? Let's see. I mean, I think it's it's possible. So if it does happen, I'd say maybe two two to three years from now. P.S. I heard y'all mention Scott. He said y'all, and he's from Texas, so I honored that. Scott going to a fantasy podcast convention. In my opinion, other podcasts need to learn from y'all, not the other way around. Please don't change <laughs> anything you do. No other fantasy podcasts compare to yours. Uh, keep up the great work. Thank you very much, Clark. Scott didn't really go to a fantasy podcast convention, but uh, thank you for that compliment. We appreciate it. I think our show has uh, gotten a lot better throughout the years and will be better and better next year, and we appreciate all the listeners. I think we've gotten some good response, and I, and I uh, really – think everybody, if you like our podcast, you'll love our fantasy football podcast, which is kicking into gear right now. Very helpful uh, for all the same reasons that you like the fantasy baseball podcast. And in fact, if you just go to our cbsports.com room in iTunes, you can see all of our podcasts. We have fantasy podcasts. We have non-fantasy podcasts. Um, good stuff. I think you'll enjoy it. And thank you all for listening. Thank you all for listening all the time. Al, thank you. My pleasure. I'll talk to you thank tomorrow. You, Yep. Jeremiah Thermidor is our producer. Back Wednesday morning with a Tuesday recap. See y'all later.